TED Audio Collective. I'm going to share something with you that I'm not quite sure how to process. Some of the people I've worked with are kind of invisible. You don't really see them. They operate out of sight and out of mind. They're like ghosts. And they're what today's speaker Mary Gray calls ghost workers. For instance, if I want to transcribe a speech, I can just click on a button on a website and voila, a beautifully clean transcript is delivered by one of the thousands of invisible workers hired by an online transcription company. And these aren't full-time regular employees. They don't have benefits. They're not chatting at the water cooler with their coworkers. We don't necessarily see them every day, yet they're changing how the economy works. We are living through the tech-enabled unraveling of full-time employment itself. So citizens, governments, consumers, workers, and businesses need to broker a new social contract and safety net. That's Mary Gray, who you'll hear more from shortly. And she makes me wonder, what would this new social contract look like? And how do we develop a safety net? I'm Madhupa Akinola. This is TED Business. Today's talk is from Mary Gray, an anthropologist and senior principal researcher at Microsoft. She focuses on how technology changes the way we think about labor, identity, and human rights. At the height of the pandemic, when so many of us were feeling invisible, Mary gave a virtual TED Talk with some big ideas that'll change the way you think about what it means to have a job today. Throughout her talk, I'll jump in to break down what she shares with us. But first, a quick break. This show is brought to you by Schwab. With Schwab Investing Themes, it's easy to invest in ideas you believe in, like artificial intelligence, big data, robotic revolution, and more. Choose from over 40 themes. Buy as is or customize the stocks in a theme to fit your goals. Learn more at schwab.com slash thematic investing. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Add a little curiosity into your routine with TED Talks Daily, the podcast that brings you a new TED Talk every weekday. In less than 15 minutes a day, you'll go beyond the headlines and learn about the big ideas shaping your future. Coming up, how AI will change the way we communicate, how to be a better leader, and more. Listen to TED Talks Daily wherever you get your podcasts. So right now, the pandemic is throwing many workers out of stable nine-to-five office jobs into a dizzying world where they're working on projects whenever and wherever they can get a kid-free moment to connect to the internet. But for many, this is not really new, nor is it temporary. Instead, the pandemic is exposing and accelerating structural changes in our society that are 20 years in the making. More and more businesses are not using AI to fully automate. 
they're combining algorithms, application programming interfaces, and the internet to contract work out, letting computation schedule, manage, ship, and deliver build tasks that can be picked up by people surfing for work online 24-7 around the globe. So Mary mentions this term, application programming interface, also known as API. But what is this? You know when you're hungry and you get on Uber Eats and 45 minutes later your meal is there? It's an API that links the delivery guy to the work. It's almost like the digital equivalent of a manager for the invisible worker. And COVID-19 has shown every business that it can meet at least some of its labor needs through these on-demand task-based work arrangements. We increasingly don't see or know the people behind the services that we take for granted, which makes us even more susceptible to ignoring their needs, inadvertently worsening their work conditions. And just in case you didn't know, this isn't a new thing. It's been happening for a while. And according to Mary, 60% of global employment could be converted into some form of on-demand gig work by 2055. A recent study of job skills and titles listed on LinkedIn suggested that more than 149 million new digital tech jobs are going to come online in the next five years alone. And the bulk of these are in information services, tasks like content review and moderation, telemedicine, text-based customer support, data analytics, and last-mile physical delivery of services from home care to food delivery are all part of this trend. And all are technically hard problems for full automation. They require keeping people in the loop to push AI along or to take over when AI falls short. These are not niche jobs that are going to go away when the pandemic passes or with the advancement of AI. Yet we in the United States have set no marker that says this is the baseline for how workers participating in a task-based market should be supported. The problem is, our society isn't set up for a workforce of free agents. We truly are living through a tech-enabled unraveling of full-time employment. But we haven't figured out how to make this kind of employment sustainable. If the pandemic has taught us anything, it's that our economy hinges on equipping every working adult with a set of essential benefits. Healthcare, sick leave, employment insurance, family leave, and continuing education. For most of the industrial era, we've treated those benefits as perks to recruit and retain full-time employees. We can't afford to do that anymore. The way forward is precisely being able to say, gosh, I actually want workers, all workers, no matter where they're working, no matter how many hours they put in, no matter what projects they pick up, I want them to have this baseline. You might think of it as You know, back in the day, we knew that we needed everybody to have universal education. There wasn't a business out there that thought, gosh, I don't want my workers to have some baseline of education. Well, the baseline has moved up. And I do feel incredibly hopeful because I think that's obvious to anybody listening to me right now and to many of the businesses that want new playing rules. They want to be told what are the ways we can move forward together because none of these companies can make this new reality on their own. The market is not going to solve this. This is a social policy need. And we've never had companies define work conditions on their own. We've always needed society to come together and say, what's our baseline? So Mary imagines a cost-sharing relationship between government and the private sector to create what she calls 
a landing pad of essential benefits. And so that landing pad is really starting from the very beginning, assuming that as a business, I want the worker I recruit to my project to come in the door with the basics to make sure every worker has health care, has sick leave, has employment insurance, not unemployment insurance, but employment insurance that assumes that people are always going to be between tasks at some point. And that's a good thing. So the landing pad is really about finding a way to give workers downtime that they aren't absorbing the costs of that downtime because the downtime is going to benefit every worker, every consumer when they come back to a task. The challenge is, is not as complicated as we make it. It's much more of our mental map for what's the good job. It's the full-time employment position. That's no longer the good job. In fact, those are really hard to find in most of the, the world. So it's thinking about what would make every job dignified, equitable, sustainable. What does that look like? And we have the power to do that. We have the means to do that. And we now have an entire economy that needs that. So gig work itself isn't the problem. I mean, gig work can be a cheaper and more efficient way for businesses to scale up and down as they need. And for lots of workers, that can mean having control over your schedule in a way that you definitely wouldn't have with a regular job. At the same time, the psychological downsides to being an invisible worker can be huge. Ghost workers never meet any of their colleagues after work for drinks or in the elevator for a chat. Their tasks are often assigned by algorithms, and the work can be so transactional that it has the potential to be dehumanizing. Here's Mary again. So the information service work that we studied can isolate workers. There's no factory floor, no single employer of record, no benefits, no base pay or pay for being on call. No workers are able to collectively represent their interests, and they don't share a sense of professional identity that can build solidarity as it's been built in traditional labor movements. One of the things that I found um, fascinating was when we were doing this work, even though it's designed literally to keep people fairly separate and atomized to do tasks, the, the assumption by engineers is nobody needs to talk here. We found workers very quickly forming social connections, building peer relationships, mentoring each other, helping each other, literally texting each other to keep each other animated at work to keep, to keep awake. For example, we had a group that we studied, they called themselves Team Genius, who would hang out in Skype and basically just chatter between projects. That kind of connection, that kind of solidarity is there. Workers create that for themselves. That is fundamental glue. That doesn't go away. We always bring our social selves to the work that we do. Work is incredibly social as much as it's productive and professionalizing. So the approach we have to take is to see that workers need colleagues. They need support. They need businesses that are responsive to them. And they also need businesses to be accountable, no matter whether they're offering two minutes of their time or 20 hours a week. So there's nothing inherently bad about these jobs. It's that we don't value them. We could make these incredibly rich opportunities for the globe to be able to tap in and provide what it is that they want to do, what they excel at, or what they want to experiment with. 
provide a great deal of value to the businesses they're serving, the consumers who benefit from what they have to offer, but ultimately from the workers being able to move to the kinds of projects that really excite them and fit their lives. Like if we could give workers control over their schedules, opportunities to control what kinds of projects they work on, and the ability to connect with and collaborate with their peers, that would be a game changer. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. Click, click, click. Writer's block? Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You can earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. I really appreciated how Mary pulled back the curtain on so much of the invisible work that happens every day. Honestly, it wasn't until I listened to this talk that I realized I'd been participating in the ghost economy. Like a lot of academics, I sometimes use Amazon's Mechanical Turk Marketplace, also known as MTurk, to help with data collection. I've had hundreds of invisible workers complete experiments and surveys online for my research. They're just like Uber drivers, or like freelance computer coders, or even like some therapists getting clients through APIs these days. My point is, ghost workers can be anyone from almost any profession. Few of them will ever climb a traditional career ladder. They don't go to company retreats. They don't get paid sick days. They may always have more uncertainty about their next paycheck, unlike regular nine-to-fivers. So my big takeaway, we're at a critical moment. And the question is, as a society, are we going to recognize that employment in 2021 is fundamentally different than it was a couple of decades ago? I'm not so sure, but if you want to learn more, check out Mary's book. It's called Ghost Work, How to Stop Silicon Valley from Building a New Global Underclass. And it's co-written with Siddharth Suri. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Maria Luisa Tucker, researched by Cassie Brabaugh, and fact-checked by Eliza Solomon. Our mixer is Sam Baer, and special thanks to Kim Naderfane-Peterza, Anna Phelan, Michelle Quint, Corey Hajim, and Colin Helms. I'm Madhupa Aganola, and I'll talk to you again next week.